back to alternative interests everyone that's who we are that's who we pretend to be that's that's who we strive to be every time we record so uh we don't do housekeeping very often but i have like several things i gotta get out oh god um so since recording the steven platel episode I learned, so remember we were talking about in adoptions, uh, they changed the birth certificate and who her parents were? Yeah. Uh-huh. Apparently that's normal. That's like standard in adoptions. Yeah, that's what the, I figured. No. Yeah. Remember I was confused that they would change How the How they changed the name. Yeah. On birth certificates in adoptions, they change the parents. Like automatically, or do you have yeah. to request that? Oh. No, it's like it's part of the process, I guess. Apparently, oh, okay. it has something to do with legal permissions, and it's easier to get some things done uh, if the the adoptive parents are listed on the birth certificate. Yeah, it still seems so weird to me. I don't, I don't know why I can't comprehend that. I guess I, if I adopted a kid, I would want my name on their birth certificate, but then. There has to be some kind of like record of who the actual birth parents oh, are. Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. And I'm sure there's like a special. And you think that's the birth certificate. Well, I'm sure there's like a special mark. And I'm, I'm making this up. I have no idea. Maybe. I'll have I to don't look know. it up. I just, I remember Anyways. that I was very confused about it. And I learned like it's legitimately a thing. Okay. Um. Also, uh, one of my friends reached out to me who is a domestic violence advocate and okay. she said that, remember, they did not force Stephen Plato to relinquish the weapons that he had and he was able to store them at his mother's house. Yeah. Apparently, in domestic violence cases, it's up to the offender to give up their weapons of their own volition. They're oh, not really? So to. they're just suggested to, basically? Like, they're quote-unquote required to, but... I guess a lot of times they ask the victims, what weapons do you know that they have so that we know if they turn them in or not? So like, oh, if a victim said, well, I, I know he has a pistol and say he owns like five pistols and he turns one in, they're going by oh. like the honor system that they're trusting this guy is going to turn over all his weapons, which also okay. seems like bonkers to me. So there's that. Um. I had an idea. I'm I'm okay. just going down a checklist at this point. I'm sorry. Um, if people don't want to listen to this, they can just skip ahead like five, four minutes. I had an idea as I was editing the Stephen Platel episode. Um, I know that we kind of gave a trigger warning at the beginning that there was some child abuse things that were going to yeah. happen. Yeah. I'm almost wondering, and listeners, I would really love if this would be helpful but I'm I'm almost considering putting some kind of sound marker in the episode, either music behind us talking that would cue you to, hey, it's about to get bad and to fast forward um, or 
or like a beep or something to like let you know that, hey, this is the content that we were warning you about. And if you want to skip it, skip it. Um, or or a startling scream. <laughs> I'll, uh, I think I think the Wilhelm scream is actually royalty free. I can just get the Wilhelm scream. There you go. <laughs> but uh, I just consider that because as I was listening, especially to part two, when we were talking about baby, is it a lot? Yeah, um, it's just. It's very brief that we talk about it, and I know that we gave a warning, but as I was listening to it, I was like, man, I wish that there was a way for me to mark the specific content that we're warning people about, um, especially when it's that kind of horrible. So yeah. if listeners can let us know, I am considering putting just a little bit of background music uh, for five to ten seconds before... Um, the content that is going to be the worst just to warn you that hey now is when you should skip yeah. and uh, if listeners think that would be helpful then i can start doing that that that's not a bad idea yeah and it'll be subtle it'll be just enough that um it's not going to be overwhelming but if you know to listen for the music then um at least it's there for you and you can listen to the rest of the content because the rest of the content of the episode is not as graphic and then you can uh, still listen to us without having to skip episodes. So yeah, I don't think that's um, a bad idea at all. Yeah. Um, in that vein as well, we have received some feedback recently from multiple people, a couple of nice, one not so nice, um, that perhaps Kat and I have been a little too comfortable in our discussions recently. Mm -hmm. And we feel horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've made it abundantly clear that when we're laughing during our episodes, we are never laughing at the victims. Mm -mm. Uh, we do laugh at the perpetrators because, uh, to be honest, most of them are assholes. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not disparaging anyone except for like human garbage bags like Stephen Platel that no one cares about. That's right. Um, but maybe we could make that distinction a little clearer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we both feel bad. Um, just reiterating, because we have said this a few times, that when we're laughing, it's to come up for a breather in the middle of the horror sludge that we're all wading mm -hmm. through together. Um, and, and I think also we forget, we being myself and Crystal, that even though we've sat with this information for weeks and weeks while we research. And yeah. I think that that's a part of the, the comfortableness. Mm -hmm. That's not a word with it, but it's like, we've been sitting with this for weeks and weeks and weeks. So when we're talking about it, we're almost too desensitized to it. Yeah. But, um, but it is a good reminder to remember that, yes, we know these are actual people these aren't just, you know, um, they're not just bedtime stories. Yeah. And these are actual people. These uh, her horrible crimes happened. We always try to, you know, take that into account. Um, but like you said, we probably get a little too comfortable and y we're both jokey people. And especially me, I use, um, humor as a defense yeah. most of the time. So, uh, so yeah, it's a good reminder to kind of, you know, 
bring it back a little bit and and remember the purpose that you and I have always stated from the beginning is this is more to um, to bring awareness mm-hmm. to these types of stories and that these types of people are out there and to educate people on maybe what to look for or what or what you know what's out there i guess yeah and just um all around because some people lead very very sheltered lives yeah and you could be listening to this and thinking it could never happen to you and it could be one dumb thing we said 10 episodes ago that comes up that makes you think twice about a situation you're in so yeah that's kind of our um our reminder to ourselves so Mm -hmm. thank you for the people who reached out and were actually very Mm -hmm. nice about it Mm -hmm. um Thank you for not leaving us bad reviews, mm-hmm. uh, but actually reaching out via email and instant mm-hmm. messages because that's very, very nice. Um, mm-hmm. I did not reply to everyone who sent feedback because honestly, um, I cry very easy and this has been like <laughs> sitting in my soul for days now. Yeah. So I didn't respond to you because I don't know how, <laughs> uh, so, but this is our response in general and us just... Uh, saying that we're recommitting to um, to to taking the, I mean, we take them very very seriously, but maybe um, showing it a little better. Exactly. Um, that said, today's episode is um, fun. It's a fun one. Oh, um, today's is not horrible, uh, <laughs> and it's going to be a two part. Part two is actually kind of horrible. Part one is okay. actually kind of cute. Okay. Um. So with that we can proceed to our episode for today. And let's get started. Yep. And we are going to be talking about Michael and Dahlia DiPolito. Okay. So um, August 5th, 2009. As soon as the name last name registered with me, I, I know who we're talking about. Okay, go I ahead. I'm excited. I, knew, I thought I knew this. Uh-huh. Do you know the full story? I have seen a Dateline, I believe, okay. and a couple of like 2020s. Okay. Um, but I may not know the whole story, but I kind of know like the gist of it. Okay. Okay. Um, so August 5th, 2009, 26-year-old Dahlia DiPolito was leaving her house to go to the gym at 6 a.m. This was kind of a normal morning routine for her. Uh, she was kind of in the groove, being healthy and fit or whatever, because honestly, I haven't been to the gym in months. And she gets a phone call. She's a polite gym goer, and she does not answer her phone. Uh, she lets it roll to voicemail, but the voicemail she gets is pretty damn distressing. And I'm going to play it for you. All right. This is Sergeant Frank Ramsey, Boynton Beach Police Department Detective Division. I need you to call me as soon as you can, ma'am. It's urgent. Thank you. Oh, so, right, that's that's pretty distressing. I mean, you get a mm-hmm. voicemail from a police officer saying, call me right now. Uh, you call him right now. I would. Yeah, so she calls him back, and he basically says, we need you to come home, please, uh, and we will tell you everything that's going on once you get here. She kind of goes, well, what's going on? He says, we will give you all the details when you get here. So she's obviously concerned. She races home to find a full-blown crime scene at her house. I'm talking police cars everywhere. Her house is taped off with crime scene tape. There are news reporters with cameras everywhere. Could you imagine? I would be just like, uh, what's happening? It, yeah. 
she gets yeah. there and this is what she's coming ho- like home to it's not good you know it's not good yeah no so because there were news reporters on scene when she got there there was actually a news crew that got on video the policeman telling her what was going on oh. so i have audio from that too and i'm gonna play that I'm Sergeant Ramsey. I'm, I'm the one that called you. Thank you for coming. I'm sorry to call you. Listen, we had a report of a disturbance at your house, and there were shots fired. Is your husband Michael? Okay, I'm sorry to tell you, man. He's been killed. No, 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 no. He's been killed, man. No, no, no. Listen. No, no. Try to calm down. No, no. So, like, that is every news crew's dream right there, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Of course, they're, they have a crime scene going on. Uh, They very quickly get her in a police car and they escort her to the police station because they need to ask her for anything and everything she knows. Okay. So they ask her first and foremost, I mean, the the main question, who would do this to your husband? Who would want to kill your husband? And she she answered that he was on probation. Maybe that had something to do with it. Oh, Okay. Uh, apparently he had recently gotten out of jail for serving time on a fraud-related conviction. Oh. And this is actually where I'm going to stop, and we're going to go back in time, and we're going to get more information about Michael and Dahlia. Okay. So Michael DiPolito was born December 18th, 1970 in Philadelphia. He was from a strong Italian family. and. We actually don't really know a lot about his family. Like, his family has been kept pretty secret. Um, in 1993, Michael was 22 years old. He was arrested for possession and intent to deliver drugs. So Michael was not on the best path in life. So a drug dealer, basically, right? Um, I'd, I just... don't know. Okay. I wouldn't I don't know if he would be a drug dealer. I mean the intent to distribute it sounds like a dealer, but yeah, that's it also I'm could thinking. just be that he bought some drugs for his friends. Okay. And I think and I could be wrong here, but I think in some cases having a certain amount on you automatically qualifies you for intent to distribute. Oh, I didn't know that. That I makes think. sense though. Okay. Someone will tell me if I'm wrong. Um, so Michael actually skipped his first hearing for this case. And as a result, Philadelphia issued a bench warrant for his arrest. And I tried looking into this. It looks like to this day, Philadelphia actually never came for him for that bench warrant. Oh. I think it might still be outstanding. But don't they take, like, if, oh, okay. It's just weird. Yeah, that is weird. Um, so by 1997, Michael had actually moved to Boca Raton in Florida and was working at a temp agency there. In August of that year, Michael was feeling a little lonely. He was new to the city and he sought out companionship with a sex worker. Uh-huh. Uh, he ended up offering a woman $15 for sex And it turns out that it was just not his night because it was an undercover police officer. Oh. So he was arrested and charged with uh, solicitation and he pled guilty. Okay. How old was he at this? Uh, this? 26. So soon after 
he was uh, convicted of this. I mean, he pled guilty, but um, he actually did start legitimately dating a woman named Karen. And Karen actually sounds really sweet. Uh, apparently, she had a soft spot for Charlie Brown comics. Uh, like, she just liked Peanuts. I hate Charlie Brown. <laughs> okay, tell me more. Um, she worked for a nonprofit that advocated for children and families. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's so nice. she just sounds sweet. She is, minus the Charlie Brown. It's kind of weird. People are allowed to like things, okay? I know, but I just don't get the whole Charlie Brown stuff. Like the Snoopy's cute. I like Woodstock. No, none of them. None of them. Okay, keep going. My brother just decided he hated you. <laughs> um... <laughs> Maybe he always has. <laughs> No, he likes you much better than L. Everybody likes you better than L. Um, in July of 1998, Karen gave birth to a son. Oh. Um, was it his? It was proved in 2000, like the late 2000s, like 2008, 2009, by a DNA test that this was Michael's. Oh. Um, except, did he not think it was at the beginning? Or? No, he actually left her. Oh, so Michael's a bit of a not-so-nice guy? I'm not sure if he left her, uh, like, where the timeline is here of when he left her. I just know that he they were not together when she okay. had the baby. Okay. Um, Michael moved on, and he began dating a woman named Maria. Maria is described as a sweet girl with brown eyes, and she came from a traditional Italian family. Oh, I bet they loved, the both families loved that. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. sure. Um, so they were kind of building a life together. Michael was working at as a telemarketer in an investment company. Okay. And actually by 2001, he had learned enough of the investment business that he actually branched out and opened his own. Oh, wow. Good for him. He's doing good for himself. Yeah. Success sometimes comes with a few vices. Uh, okay. He was making good money, and he would blow it on nice clothes, jewelry, hotel rooms. Uh, he spent $6,000 on a pay-by-the-minute phone line. Uh, it was a sex chat line. Oh. He and Maria ended up, they were married. She stood by him. Oh, they got married? Yeah, I'm telling you, a lot of the early history for Michael is just super um, disjointed and jumpy. Yeah, because I'm like, what about the other one and then the kid and now he's married? Yeah, okay. he, um, Karen comes back later, but oh, okay. for a while, I mean, Karen's just not in the picture. Yeah, all right. Um, but he and Maria are married. He is making some good money. Uh, spending it on all of life's pleasures, only on okay. himself, not for Maria, unfortunately. Um, that's kind of too bad. Um, unfortunately, his actions did end up catching up with him. And, you know, one thing I will say about Michael is he owns up when he's caught and he pleads guilty again. Uh, he's arrested and charged with some fraud related charges. Okay. And he pleads guilty. Oh. So, well, I mean. He has taking responsibility i guess i guess yeah yeah um, i'll get into the the details about this later on too because it, okay. it is quite relevant okay he was sentenced to two years in prison he only served seven months and 
because this was fraud, he actually had to make restitution payments back to his victims. Ouch. How much was that? Uh, I think two million dollars. Ugh, it's a lot. Does that do that? Does that get garnished, or do you have to make? Do you have to? Do you know what I'm saying? Does it get garnished from your wages, or? I think it depends. In his case, I'll get into it later, but he makes payments. Okay. Okay. Um, he's also on probation until 2032, at the time of his release. Jeez. Yeah, he was a very long probation. Yeah. Serious crimes here. But the people closest to Michael say that they think he was really trying to get his act together after he was released from prison. He opened another company, but it was a legitimate marketing company. It did online marketing. I think this is when the internet boom started really going up. So he was going right into the right business. Okay. And he he started making the restitution payments as he could because he's self-employed. It doesn't really get garnished from him. So yeah. he has to physically make payments. I don't know where you send that to, but yeah, I don't you get instructions. Um, hopefully none of us have a, will ever be in that position. So I hope to never know what the process is here. Despite Michael's uh, poor history of uh, criminal missteps, Maria stayed with him through all of this, through his conviction, through his prison sentence, through him getting out and kind of putting a life back together. Maria stood by him. Wow. Good wife. That's, yeah, very good wife. Because I, I don't think I would have, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, she she described him. Um, the Michael that she knew was sweet and caring and would never intentionally hurt someone. Oh. Um, she said that he would do absolutely anything for her. Uh, to Aww. the point that one time, I guess, her parents, their TV broke. So one Christmas, he just bought them a new TV because they needed it. That actually, that's nice to know. That, he sounds I mean, really sweet. He does sound sweet. It sounds like he has good intentions, but it sounds Bad like he decision gets- decision making. Yeah, caught up in like schemes almost. Kind of, yeah. You know? Okay. Um. So she said, and this is a, a direct quote, he always made sure other people were happy before he was happy. Oh, that's nice. I, he sounds super sweet. So even though Maria stayed with Michael through this dark period in his life with the prison sentence, yeah, to this day, she doesn't like to comment on it. Um, so it's not actually known how much she knew about what he was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it seems to me from the interviews that I've read, she only wants to say positive things about him. She doesn't want to paint him in a negative light she's being a good human like she is just trying to make sure that she's not bashing on him she's still highly of him yeah um and, is, and how nice of her too honestly right. which is honestly um it's a lot to expect from someone because of what happens next oh, so gosh. Maria didn't know. We can we can say we think we didn't know about the fraud he was con- committing. Maria definitely did not know that Michael was cheating on her. Oh, he was. He was. Oh, in, no. in October of two thousand eight, Michael had been released after serving his prison sentence. 
Okay. Um, Maria went out of town for something. I think it may have been work-related. And Michael called an escort to come see him at his office. And this escort that he called was Dahlia Mohammed. Dahlia was born in New York. She was the oldest of three children. And when Dahlia was 13, her family moved from New York to Boynton Beach, Florida. Okay. Her father was Egyptian. He waited tables at the Ritz-Carlton. Her mother was Peruvian and worked as a manager for an HML company. Okay. When Dahlia was 18, her mom filed for divorce from her father, citing infidelity as the reason. Um, she was claiming that Dahlia's father had a girlfriend on the side and she just wanted to separate from him. So Dahlia's father ended up moving to Maine. Her mother stayed in Boynton Beach and the children stayed with the mother. In November of 2000, Dahlia was going to college and she was working. At some point in here, she actually ended up meeting an architect. The two of them fell in love. They got engaged. They moved out to California together. And at some point, she just left him. For no reason? Yeah. She wasn't with somebody else already? or I don't think so. She just kind of left him. And in 2006, she came back to Florida. Okay. So back to uh, Dahlia meeting Michael while Michael is married. Can I say one thing? That's kind of shitty for Michael's current wife because she stood by him through all of that. Right? And then he's just going to do this. I yeah. would be. I mean, and everything... she's still being the bigger person too. Right. I, like yeah. to this day, she still only really says positive things about that's, him. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, so immediately Michael was absolutely enamored with Dahlia and they started dating. Okay. While he's still married though. That's you were. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, so when I say they immediately started dating, um, remember Maria was out of town for a little bit. Yeah. Maria came home from her trip and oh, Michael greeted her by saying, I'm moving out and I want a divorce. Oh, how awful. So Michael met Dahlia while Maria was out of town and decided he liked her so much he was going to leave his wife. I'm telling you the timeline on some of this really early stuff is super wonky. Okay. Because when when Dahlia had broken up with the architect, she was still technically living in California, but she had flown to Florida to see Michael. Okay. So Michael had a house in Boca Raton and Dahlia would end up spending so much time there instead of California that eventually she just officially moved from California into this home. With Michael? Yes. Okay. Michael did not tell Maria about Dahlia. He didn't tell her that he was dating anyone. But I guess one day Maria actually caught Michael buying flowers and she was like, the fuck is up with this? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, He lied. He said, oh, I just met her online. She lives in a different state. I just wanted to do something nice for her. But by the end of January 2009, Michael and Maria were officially divorced. Well, you know what? Good for Maria getting out of there, honestly. Yeah. Um, even though Michael's the one that asked for it, but you but know, she deserves better. 
She does. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a lot of stories with, um, like, a divorce and remarriage that happened real fast. Mm-hmm. Have we had one that happened five days later? Is that what happened? It was five days? Five days later, Dahlia and oh. Michael were married. Holy cow. I don't can I think the, five days might be our record. Can that legally happen? I guess, yeah. If you just have the paper from the other divorce, you can still get a... Once the divorce is legally finalized, you could do whatever, do whatever you, want. you want. Yeah. Okay. Well, good for them, I guess. Yeah. They're going to be um, happy. Dahlia had started working for a local beachfront realty office. So she was, um, she was not really doing the sex work anymore. And... She actually, um, I think that they are so smart for doing this because we know that realtors get a cut of the sale when they sell a house. Dahlia sold Michael a house. So basically. Oh, that is smart. I think that was so smart on her her part. But they bought a $225,000 townhome for cash. That is how much money Michael had that he bought this for cash. Oh, wow. Well, good on them, I guess. Yep. And so just after the wedding, they moved into this townhome together. And they settled into a cute little newlywed routine. Um, They had two dogs together. Their names were Bella and Linguini, (laughs) which I think is (laughs) is super cute. cute. I like that. It's very Italian names. Yes. Um, Dahlia would spend her days when she was not working her real estate job. She would spend her days shopping, pampering herself, and working out at the gym. Dahlia cared about her appearance, and she she was very pretty. Okay. Michael would spend his days running his marketing business, and um, he worked from home in a home office inside the townhome. All right. About two weeks after they were married, Michael started transferring a lot of money to Dahlia. He wrote 12 checks for about six to $7,000 each. Um, every few days, sometimes twice a day. And he, in total, Why? in total, he transferred about a hundred thousand dollars to Dahlia. Okay. So what scam is, is this? Well, it's actually not as nefarious as it sounds. Oh, okay. So remember, Michael had all that restitution he had to pay back. And I lied. It was actually closer to 200000 not $2 million. Yeah, okay. Um, so he he was working on paying this back. And his thing was like he wanted to just pay it back, get it over and done with so he could move on with his life. Which is actually nice for the people for, he defrauded, too, because then they get their money back from yeah. the settlement. Yeah. Dahlia had offered to help him pay it. She was going to pay $91,000 of this, and he was going to pay the other 100000 So his plan was just, you know, since she's making the payments anyway, um, why don't I just transfer my money to you, and then you can pay all of it for me? Oh. It's, it's just consolidating it to come from one account instead of two and yeah. other times. Yeah. It made sense. And that's nice of her to pay some of it, too, I guess, when right. it wasn't even her deal. Yeah. Um, I think just supporting her husband. Also, because Michael was really, really concerned that if something went wrong with this restitution, um, he might have his personal assets seized. So he took the townhome that he had purchased and he signed the deed over to Dahlia to protect it. Because okay. if it's in her name and not his, 
then it's protected. They won't lose their home. So he's just really trying to protect their assets. And Michael and Dahlia started getting some really weird visits from the police around this time. Okay. Uh, they were out vacationing together at uh, Manalapan. Where is that? I have no freaking idea. Someone knows where it is. They were out vacationing together. They were at a hotel. And the morning that they were checking out, they come out to their car to find it surrounded by police, which okay. is weird. Yeah. They told Michael, hey, we got an anonymous tip saying that you were here and you were selling drugs. Can we search your vehicle? And Michael is like, yes, please search my vehicle because I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. They searched his vehicle. They didn't find anything. They said, we're sorry. We had to investigate. You're free to go. Because remember, he's on probation. Okay. He, he can't be in possession of drugs. Oh, that's right. Because he'll go back. Yeah. So then about two weeks later, it happens again. So the police say that they had received another anonymous tip, but the anonymous tip had told them a specific location in the vehicle to check. So they they go, hey, we got this tip. We have to check it out. Michael goes, please. So they go to where the spare tire is. And in there, they found two small baggies of cocaine inside a cigarette uh, box. Oh, no. So, I mean, this anonymous tip came in and they found Someone's drugs. trying to set him up. And so they kind of take Michael in and Michael goes, hey. I, I have been set up in the past, um, and he actually suspected that his ex-wife Maria might be behind it. Because remember, they didn't end Oh, on that's the best right. Terms. That's right. So he was saying, like, Maria knew about his past at this point. So he said, my ex-wife might be behind this. And I guess he was convincing because they didn't arrest Michael. They absolutely could have. But he must have made a pretty strong case for himself because they yeah. didn't. Yeah. Well. So then a little while later, they get another call. So police come and they knock on their door. And they answer and the police say, hey, a neighbor called in a complaint that a drug dealer and his girlfriend were having a domestic dispute. And Michael is like, what in the world is going on? He's like. This is my wife. Obviously, we're both fine. Um, people have been calling the cops on me. You can check. You can see. People have been calling the cops on me for weeks. So if this isn't enough, Michael goes to the gym one day. And he comes out after his workout to his car. And he finds a note on his car. It was signed from someone who will help you. What? Yeah. Uh, it was like, it said, from someone who will help you. Okay. This note is weird. It said, bring $40,000, 9.30 a.m. Back <laughs> to this parking space and put it under the car parked behind you. Do not tell anyone, especially your wife. I will tell you all that has happened to you, is happening to you, and will happen on Friday. Tell no one. Come alone. So first of all. The grammar in this is atrocious. Okay. I, mean, I could read this with different inflections and you could hear different messages. This is just, it's a very poorly written note. I don't know. I hope he doesn't do any of that. 
he reported it to the police. He took the note to the police. Well, I'm glad he's smart enough to do that. Yeah. And so the officer who was taking his report um, later said that Michael, uh, during his interview with Michael, Michael appeared, quote, overly paranoid, expressing extreme concern for his welfare and safety. I would be too. This is four yeah, things that I would be in a yeah. very short amount of time. 100%. And this kind of actually breaks my heart a little bit. Oh. Michael told the police officer, I wish whoever this is will just break my car windows or even just shoot me and get it over with already. Oh, that's kind of sad. It is. He was so stressed out. Um, And so obviously the police ask him, like, dude, who would do this? Who would want to hurt you? And this is when it becomes abundantly clear that Michael is stressed and paranoid for a very good reason. Okay. Michael tells the police officer that he had previous dealings with a prominent organized crime family. As in, like, a mafia family. Oh, no. And he was not on their good side. That sucks. So uh, now is when I'm going to tell you about those fraud charges. Okay. So Michael had had de- had dealt with the Bonanno crime family. Yeah. Um. Remember Michael when he was first married to Maria? He was working that telemarketing job. Yeah. He was not a traditional telemarketer. He was working in what is known as a boiler room. A boiler room is a fraud term. For a call center where high-pressure salesmen call potential investors, the potential investors are actually called sucker lists. Isn't there a movie called The Boiler Room about this? Am I too young? I don't think so. It's with Ben Affleck's brother, Casey Affleck. I am too young. Okay. I mean, just go on. <laughs> go on. Um, but some people will know what a boiler room is. But yeah. for those of us who were uh, born after 1990, then oh, we, yeah. this, we don't know. No, this film was in 2000. I was 10 years old. At 10 years old, I'm not ra- watching some boring-ass movie about a boiler room. It wasn't boring. And 10 you years probably, old. You probably wouldn't have gotten it. Okay, keep going. Um. Anyway, in these boiler rooms... Uh, the the salesmen call people on these sucker lists and they convince them with high pressure sales tactics to invest in some kind of fraud scheme. This particular boiler room that Michael was working for was run by the Bonanno crime family. Anybody who's obsessed with um, like the mafia and organized crime already knows who the Bonanno crime family is, but... For those of us who know how to stay in our lane and keep our nose out of it because we like to stay breathing, (laughs) I looked up the bare minimum information because I have heard from multiple podcasts that if you research too deeply into these families, um, if weird things start happening around you. And I I like my life the way it is right now, and I like staying safe. Okay. Can I just say I do like the name Bonanno? Banano. What's yes. really funny is I actually may cover the Bonanno crime family at some time in the future because there was there was uh, an event within the family called the Banana Wars. The Banana Wars. Yeah. The Bonanno family Banana Wars. Yes. 
really cute, right? It's not a cute story, but oh no. Um. Anyway, so the barest of backstory here: the Maranzano crime family was one of the five families of the New York City organized crime world. Oh wow! When Salvatore Maranzano was murdered in 1931. Lucky Luciano, which I feel like all of us know that name. Oh, yeah. Lucky Luciano ended up dividing the criminal world of New York City between the five main families after Salvatore Maranzano was murdered. And Joseph Bonanno was named the leader of what used to be the Maranzano family, and it was renamed the Bonanno family. The Bonanno family was known as the most brutal of the five crime families. Oh, no. And Michael's on their bad side. I'd be scared if I was Michael then. Um, Like I said, that's about as much as I'm going to go into today because honestly, I could do a full series on the crime families. I would like to request a crime family series. (laughs) Or should I email you to request that? I'll I'll email Um, you that request. Maybe if we can monetize and hire me some protection, (laughs) then sure. (laughs) Then sure. Um, Anyway, Michael was working for them. And he would convince his potential investors to invest in foreign currency market. And then he would work together with his associates to steal their money. Basically, they would tell investors that with uh, constantly fluctuating exchange rates between the U.S. dollar and foreign currency, basically, if they traded money back and forth between these currencies, you could increase your money. Like, just by using the exchange rates. It kind of makes really? sense, right? Like, if a the little. exchange rate between here and Tokyo, for example, um, is a dollar here is a dollar and ten cents there. And then it flips so that a dollar there is a dollar and ten cents here. Well, you've earned money back and forth. I, I guess. That yeah. doesn't, that still doesn't. So, like, if I take $100 and turn it into $110 in Tokyo money, yeah. and I wait long enough, and oh. I take the $110 and I can turn it into 120 of U.S. money, okay. I've earned $20 just by trading between currencies. Okay, that does make sense. It's risk-free, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what they convince their investors of. But... Uh, this was run by kind of a Florida faction of the Bonanno family, which was the Rubos. And why is how is PowerPoint opening? Fucking weird. <laughs> uh, you were talking about the Bonanno. I would stop talking about the Bonanno. Oh my god! They're gonna. What if you? What would what you did fucking I just tell you? What would you do? What would you fucking do if right now that PowerPoint opened up and it was a presentation on why you should not be talking about the bananas? What would you oh do? Oh my god! <laughs> fucking shut your mouth right now. <laughs> what did I tell you? Weird stuff happened. What is my? Oh my god! Yeah. What? Stop! No, I'm not even kidding. I have a word document opening now. I don't know what's happening. I'm scared. Turn it off. Lot, turn it off. <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad. No more names. Oh my, my FBI agent is the one going like, let's put this up and let's put this up. Oh my God. Uh, let's never. to another list. <laughs> let's never do a series on 
anybody. Okay. Keep oh going. my Lord. Pray for me, everybody. We might not be back next week. Cat doesn't know how to upload uh, this yeah, stuff. I don't. I don't. We're dead in the water. Anyway. Oh my I'll God. just keep recording and never posting. <laughs> oh my Lord. Okay. Anyway, this scam uh, that they were running was busted by the FBI in 2002. Investors had lost $11.7 million in this boiler room. Oh, God. But remember I said that Michael had learned enough about the business to branch off on his own. He had actually branched off on his own before the bust. So he wasn't wrapped up in that one. Okay. So he had he had opened up his own boiler room. So he wasn't he wasn't walking the straight and narrow. He was just branching off because if you can make your own, you get all the profits. You don't have to pay it back to this family, right? Yeah. He gets all the cut instead of only some of the cut. He didn't get very creative and he literally just copied their business model. Like literally the same. Um, he did think a little bit bigger and this is not a good thing. So the Bonanos thought small. They asked for less money. They asked for only local investors. Michael thought he could do it better and he asked for more money and he asked and he contacted people in other states. Oh. One man named George Nemeth was excited when Michael contacted him. He thought that, man, if I can make money just by you trading it between different currencies, that sounds so easy. So Michael's salesman told George that if he invested $20,000, he could make seven or $8,000 in just a couple of months. And George was sold. He was already sitting there like, man, I, I could buy a boat. I could get women. He is like dreaming of He's a good in. life. Yeah. But as you guessed it, Michael would just keep the cash for himself. Uh, George Nemeth was one of at least a dozen investors that gave Michael DiPolito like a good chunk of change that Michael was just pocketing. That sucks for them. George would call the investment firm asking about the prog like the progress on his investment. Like, how much have I earned? Can I cash out some of my earnings? But none of his phone calls were ever returned. And George thought that was a little weird. That is weird. So he called the U.S. Commodities Future Trading Commission, which uh, deals with fraud. And George was not pleased. He's like, you know what? Something don't, something don't smell right. I'm calling the authorities. Even if George hadn't called, Michael was acting too big for his britches and they already had their eye on him regardless. So George calling was just like a cherry on top. It helped, but it's not like he had any groundbreaking news for them. Okay. In 2002, they filed a lawsuit alleging Michael had collected about $200,000 in 11 months. Wow. So when, remember I said he was making a lot of money? That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. So he was charged with organized fraud grand theft and unlicensed telemarketing <laughs> oh wow the unlicensed telemarketing i feel like they were like oh hey fuck you <laughs> it just seems like one of those silly little things you add on top seriously uh, but remember i said michael pled guilty he owns up to his mistakes when he's caught um so that's the jail time that he had served that uh he was sentenced to two years only served seven months 
I am pretty sure that Michael gave information on the Bonanno crime family while he was in there. Uh-oh. Um, I didn't see anything substantiated, but think about it from that family's point of view. This guy who worked for you goes off on his own. He gets caught for this and he gets let out early. What do you think he got let out early for? Thinking like a mafia person, please do not start up applications on my computer again. I'm not talking about any one of you. Good behavior? I mean, if I was them, I'd be like, what information did you give them? Oh, that's true. So, Snitching. Snitches get stitches. Um, Or two shots in the head. Well, yeah, that sounds like what he's going to get. Yeah, and uh, Michael was not in a good place. So for thinking about the mindset that Michael is in, he knows the people that he has potentially wronged. He has received multiple and and I was also thinking about this as I was researching this that okay, it seems innocuous to have all of these fake um drug busts called on you and having a note put on your car, but think about it in like the criminal underworld. They live off of the subtle stuff that they they're not going to send a hitman after you right away they're yeah. they're gonna get you good and riled up first this is me speculating you should change your name after this jesus my sound just glitched too can you like stop talking about the crime families just i'm like- done after this okay i just need to get Holy through the rest moly. of this anyway uh michael is paranoid for a reason i'm starting to understand how he felt in this moment yeah i bet (laughs) and so he's feeling like his life and his safety is threatened at the same time he's feeling even more on edge because dahlia had recently told him that she was pregnant and michael was beyond ecstatic they were planning for this baby they were planning names they were planning this whole life together And Michael wants to protect his family. So he tells the police whatever they need to know. And so I think that is where we are going to stop today. Okay. You better or else something's going to happen to you. I know. It's going to be a miracle if we don't lose this recording. (laughs) What would you do if it was deleted? Oh my God. I don't even know. You'd have to pick another case or just keep this or just out. keep this information yeah. out. And just, ugh. I don't know if I were you, I'd like be thinking about that. See, that's why I told you I didn't want to research them. <laughs> well, then you shouldn't have. You're the one that did it. All I used was a Wikipedia page. I would like to go on the record saying I love the Bonanno family and I would never do anything to jeopardize you. Stop saying Bonanno. <laughs> Um, like I said, that's where we're going to stop. I really hope we're back next week. <laughs> and and we will, just, and just we'll, me, you'll we'll talk know. about, um, about Michael and the situation that he runs into. There is a trial. Um, I'll talk more about the crime scene and not a word about organized crime. And we'll see you all next week. I hope. I'm looking Bye. at the camera. You um, you don't have to come back next week, Mr. Whoever's watching me. I am on my best behavior. Have a good night. Bye.